The following program is sponsored by Team Reba of REMAX Metro East Side and Eric Osnes of Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. Welcome to Open House with Team Reba. Each week, Team Reba will be bringing you a roundup of real estate and mortgage news, along with information about the local Puget Sound region, highlighting some of the best and brightest entertainment options, family events, neighborhood highlights, and local business interviews, so you can feel right at home in the Pacific Northwest. Welcome once again to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Reba Hass at Team Reba, Remax Metro East Side. Happy Saturday. I'm Eric Osnes from Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. Yes, you are. That's right. We're here every Saturday from 2 to 3 o'clock bringing you information on real estate and finance and always trying to get on interesting guests. <laughs> I'll always love that. Trying. Always try to get on interesting guests. We do have interesting guests. What are you saying? Absolutely, we do. Absolutely, we do. <laughs> I think you're just trying to stay interesting. That's just my stoic Norwegian nature. You know? I think so, that is it. Yeah, this is guest it. is. You know, they're they're all right. You know, it's it's Paul McCartney. You know, yeah. they're. I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's not. you would go out but, of your uh, mind yeah, if that was, I would. was our guest. So yeah, okay. Anyway, um, well, I want to ask you. I want to get this out of the way right away are you going out of your mind with what's going on with your rates it's been a little bit of a jumpy jumpy world out there yeah. right now i got two things to talk about with that but the first one is rates okay. in general okay and uh last week the federal reserve did increase interest rates mm-hmm. a quarter of a percent yes i heard uh, that's the federal funds rate and that's a very short term rate it's an overnight rate which will impact uh, shorter-term type loans like your car loans, business loans. If you have a home equity line of credit, I know I do. Anything tied to prime rate, you know that's going to be impacted by by the Fed funds rate. Mortgage rates benefited uh, from that that increase. Big plus. It, it, it helps because what what essentially the Fed increasing rates does it's the uh, financial equivalent of tapping the brakes. It slows the economy down a little bit. It uh, tends to make um, you know people uh, pause just a bit, not spend quite as much. And when it slows the economy, the risk of inflation goes down right along with it. It's like the Prius of... Oh. <laughs> I know how much no, you no, love no, Prius. No, 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 no. Yeah, I know. I Nothing know. Nothing like that. But, um, <laughs> no, you hate but, having me compare that to Prius. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, just kind of an aside, I was up at the Snohomish um, uh, Classic Car Show um, weekend ago. And uh, there was a state trooper there. You know, he had a 1928 paddy wagon, you know, on display. And I, I told him, you know, if you want to raise money for the state of Washington, let guys like me pay money to get in a trooper car and go out and do a pit maneuver on a Prius. Just knock it off the road. It could be a closed track. I'd be happy with that. You know, you'd be oh, doing I would that pay money all for day that. long. I would. I there would. are so many Prius in this area. Oh. No, no, no. I mean, just give us one that we can just like, oh, just one, just destroy. I'd be happy with that. That would make my day. But uh, just I'm getting it off a little frightened right now. Let's get let's get no, you no, back no, on track. No, never no, mind. I yeah, wish okay. I'd never said that. Back to okay. rates. Never yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, all right. So so rates are are, are um, actually trending upward just a little bit. Um, the national average right now for a 30-year fixed rate. Is hovering four point eight percent. Oh wow! You know, so we're still under the five mark, but mm-hmm. pushing close. up against it there. Yeah. A uh, fifteen-year fixed rate is averaging four point two seven percent. VA and FHA loans still lower at four point three nine percent. If you're looking for jumbo financing, those are hovering in the four point five, four point six two five 
percent range as well. Those have been staying well. pretty yeah, stable rel- throughout. Rel- relatively stable. Well, and, and here's one of the things that's happening with interest rates, and this is important uh, as a consumer. In the industry, we call it margin compression. And and what's happening is as rates have risen, the, the number, the volume of, of refinance activity has been dropping nationwide in, in, in the mortgage industry. Fewer refinances means lower loan volume. Mm-hmm. Purchase business typically increases when the economy is picking up steam, and that's right. happening. But it's being constricted by a lack of inventory. Right. So we don't see the the volume of purchase business essentially replacing the lost volume of refinance business. Well, I know a lot of people right now are actually holding off. Exactly, exactly. And and so what happens in the mortgage industry is that means we have overcapacity. We have too mm-hmm. many lenders chasing too few loans. Wow, that sounds like real estate agents. There you go, supply and demand. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's a very similar <laughs> analogy. Uh, what happens in the mortgage um, industry, though, is is we see sort of a race to bottom. Uh, lenders will get very competitive with their interest rates and sometimes actually even price an interest rate at a loss. They're losing money on every loan that, that the lender makes. Well, that's not a sustainable practice, and eventually that, that will will drive uh, companies out of business. As a matter of fact, if I'm a, if I'm a, a brokerage company, uh, a lot of brokerage companies use what's called a warehouse line. When they make a mortgage, they borrow money uh, from an institution, and then when they make the loan, they sell the loan and pay back the, the borrowed money. Well, a lot of these warehouse lines have a profitability factor that they won't lend to this, this mortgage uh, originator unless they're profitable. Well, a lot of them are not right now. And so what's going to happen is we're going to see companies that will be closing their doors or consolidating, selling, merging, things like that. Okay. So as someone who is a listing agent dealing with tons of buyers coming in on properties, Mm -hmm. I need need to be validating if it's a mortgage brokerage. Well, potentially, I don't, I don't want to come out right out and say don't accept any offer from no, a mortgage broker. I'm not saying, broker, I'm not saying but, that. It's just it's it's called doing your due diligence. Right. It, it is a it is a cause because, for concern at this point. Right. And and we are starting to see that happening in the industry. We are seeing some layoffs mm-hmm. and and things like that. Especially with the okay, big. Okay. So big the point banks. to our listeners though is ask the question mm-hmm. because I've had people who, who say okay if I'm supposed to interview uh, a lender and real estate agent what kind of questions should I be asking and right. I'm always saying ask the hard questions. Sure. And they're yeah. like, well, how am I going to know if they're lying? I'm like, believe me, you will see their face look stricken right. on certain kinds of questions yes. when you ask them because they'll be like, uh, how, how yeah, do you know to ask that's me right. that? Because yeah, right. it's so rare that anybody even has the skill set around doing that. And, and I'm always stunned that so few people ever do it, actually. Right. Yeah, I, I spent a few days at a, a, just a, a week ago at the Mortgage Bankers uh, Association has a, of Washington. Oh, I has bet a, that was a fascinating. Well, <laughs> you know, for a numbers geek like me, it is. I mean, we're listening to economic forecasts and all this other stuff. But, uh, but no, yeah, we're I nerds. Mean, I know you course, loved it. You got pumped course. up. But but every lender you went to that, go out and crash a Prius right afterwards. <laughs> so I was so agitated. No, no. Every every lender out there right now is forecasting a little bit of slower lending volume in the fourth quarter and right. probably rolling into first quarter. And we have some seasonality with that, you mm-hmm. know, as well. So so it's just kind of something to keep an eye on um, okay. as a consumer. Yeah, you might see some kind of really crazy interest rates offered out there. Yeah, they may be legit. Then again, they might not. 
So just be really careful uh, mm-hmm. when you're shopping. Always get a few different well, opinions. Okay. I was going to say, one of the things that people can always do, as we talk about all the time, is they can reach out to us sure. if they have questions or they want to get a gut check on something. Always happy. I did I did two of those yesterday where you know customers called and said, ah, can you just look at this and mm-hmm. tell me if it makes sense or not? I'm always happy to do that. So, And how would people do that? Well, they can call me, just 206 915 Eric or nine one five three seven four two. You can also email me anytime. Eric at ericismybanker.com. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. How about you? Uh, people can usually get a hold of me and my team at info at teamreba.com. But if you want me direct uh, by text or phone, 206-910-3429. Got it. Yeah, there yeah. you go. So what's the what's your side of the of that that coin, the market? What's it looking like? Now? So you know, we get into a really interesting time period. You know, we've been talking about this for months. Where about half of what is out there is selling in the first week still, uh, yeah. and the other half is not. It's taking three, four, sometimes sixty days. Um, there's a lot more homes that we're seeing on market for a little bit longer periods of time. Like right now, a great example is uh, you know we've got. A, a Kent listing that we had multiple offers on this week and price point wise. I mean, I, we get it because mm-hmm. first time home buyer price point ranges are still popular because people are seeing the rates going up and they're trying to quickly get into the market. Mm-hmm. What we're definitely seeing getting impacted right now and slowing down are people in kind of that move up range, anything from like 600 to a million. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is definitely getting squeezed. And if you don't have like a picture perfect property, like if it has anything wonky about it, mm-hmm. unless you price that sucker to go, it, like yeah. we, we talk about this in this coaching group, I'm part of it. If it's not compelling, it's not selling. Mm. And if your place has some, you know, I call it the huh factor. And if you've got a big huh, like, you know, you've got a place that sits, you know, squeezed in between a bunch of other properties off a back alley. There's no curb appeal. It's, you know, there's no, you know, compelling element for the exterior. Right. Interior might be fine, but there's some other things where it's like, huh, maybe not. Or like we have a client who's got a, an issue right now in Fremont, great little house, but it's big, huh, is there's no connection of the top, you know, main floor to the basement. Right. Yeah, I know that and house. Yeah. If you, you know, like everyone comes in, thinks it's a great little house, and they're like, okay, how do I get in the basement? And you're like, well, you got to go around through the garage. And they're like, yeah. what? Mm-hmm. They're not like, yeah, oh. I know. Right. Yeah. And the, the sad part is, is, you know, you have these situations where people are selling for different reasons, right? Right. right. And if they don't need to sell, Sometimes they'll hang on to that price point, and that's one of the reasons you're seeing some of the delay on people making adjustments. The folks who really want to sell, usually you're going to see that price adjustment within a one, two, maybe three-week period at most. Mm-hmm. Advice that I give a lot of my clients is try and be ahead of it Yeah, yeah because yeah. you know so many agents are trained a certain way, that especially like if they get to 30 right. days – you know they've been trained to go out and just like beat well, someone I, over the I head. Well, I know for a fact you've had really good success with that. You know mm-hmm. that you're you're having your clients come in maybe with a a, a more a fairly aggressive offer. Yeah, three weeks in or two weeks in, absolutely get in there before the yeah. the you know the seller panics and and yep. the, the floods of other offers come in at the day. Right, 30 yeah, because you want to open up your competition. Yeah. Absolutely, right. You know, and in some cases, you know, but here's the other thing I'm seeing now too is we've got um, opportunity for people to try and get closing costs again, right? Because right. like we do the first time home yes. buyer class and our next one's coming up October 20th, yes, right? right? Doing that down mm-hmm. at the Burien Library from yep. 10 to 3. That's right. But, um, and you can send in, if you're interested, info at teamreba.com. 
Uh, you can get signed up for it. But we have people who are doing those programs with down payment assistance, but now we're even getting them closing costs. Right, right. You know, I'm super right. excited because Lucky, who's on our team, is now Lucky. She and her husband are buying a house right now. We got them 3% closing costs plus, you know, right. Right. other concessions. I mean, it's like, it's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. they're getting yeah. down payment assistance. They're literally going to get and into our house for almost no money. And we did not see awesome. that six months ago. We no, six months ago, happening. six years ago, we didn't right. see it. So this right. is fantastic. It's a, it's a good opportunity depending on what position you're sitting in. Right. And you got to just be open to the conversation, open to the advice. Where I get frustrated is when there's someone just so still stuck and like, this isn't three years ago. This isn't even last spring. Right. Right. But it's not a bubble either, I don't think. No, I think no, 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 no. It's, it's not just, that. We're just getting a normalized market. Right. You know, that's the whole thing that we got going on right now is normalized. Yeah. Which, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't get to say that about you all the time. So at least the market's going that direction, right? Well, we'll try and get normal when we come back. More of Open House of Team Reba. We've got Robert Maxwell, Hamilton Gardner with us. Stay tuned. Open House with Team Reba on AM 1580. The answer. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Eric Osnes from Home Street Bank. And I'm Reba Haas from Team Reba. And we're here every Saturday from 2 to 3 o'clock to bring you information on real estate and finance. And today is no exception. Yes, all things related. That's right. And speaking of related, so Mm -hmm. we have... Robert Maxwell, uh, an attorney, and Hamilton Gardner, the principal of Holmquist and Gardner, attorneys at law. Welcome, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Yeah, appreciate you guys being on air. So for our listeners, um, many times people know that you and I have different connections throughout the industry locally and meet people through different associations and memberships and what have you. And uh, Rob and I met at the Legal Forum for Rental Housing Association yep. in Washington, right. uh, where I got to, you know, kind of be, I don't know, what was I, a moderator? I, I think I was... moderator. She kept, you kept the flow well, on thank you. going. Thank was, you. Thank you. I, I thought it was there partly for comic relief as well, <laughs> but because it got a little tense sometimes. People, people get agitated when we start talking about landlord-tenant laws and issues about, especially the city of Seattle, yep. right? There's a lot of tensions getting very high. Justified. And that, yeah, yeah, totally justified. And uh, so anyway, it was it was a great opportunity for me to to meet the attorneys who were there uh, being part of that panel. Rob was there, and I really appreciated all the insight that you shared at that event because most of those landlords self-manage, right? It was yep. at least half the room. There's about 100 people, 120 people in that room with at least half of them self-managing. And I just – I always think to myself, you must – like to also like do tightrope walking because it seems highly risky <laughs> to was, do that. It was definitely a sobering experience hearing some of the questions come from the landlord. Correct. Just sitting there going, oh, you do manage this? So uh-huh. it, was, yeah. it was nice to address those and it was a, a good yeah. forum to do that. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, it's like getting the opportunity. We've had Sean Martin on the show several times and other folks from Rental Housing Association. And we have been in support of a lot of the work that they've done in trying to overturn some of the crazy things that City of Seattle is trying to impose on landlords locally. And so just getting a, a 
a chance to meet some other attorneys who work within that space was great for me because one, you know, we do always need content for this show and we have four main sectors that we try to cover, which are residential insider, investor angle, green building and design, and then also regional impact. And so this hits two of our areas because it's kind of regional impact because it's the housing industry itself, what's going on with local business, you know, things like that, as well as, you know, investor angle. Right. And, you know, there were, like you said, there were a lot of topics that came up, a lot of questions where you're like, ooh, <laughs> maybe you should think about property management because that person is supposed to be on top of these things all the time. And it's great to be a member of Rental Housing Association because they do try to keep people apprised across the entire state about what's going on in their local muni- municipalities. But it's still that's still big risk in my mind, right? Yeah, there's a there's a lot of, a lot going on just being a landlord and a lot of things to be aware of. And I agree with you. The association does a great job in helping landlords get there. So that's a shameless plug for them. Yeah, if, and they're not a, a sponsor. <laughs> they're not a sponsor. I want to make sure and point that out. Like, you know, this is just something that Eric and I do. But um, before we got on the show today, I was asking you, you know, what was kind of the direction that we wanted to cover? And you you brought up something very specific that you're seeing quite a bit of in your office. And, and I'll leave it to either you, Rob, or Hamilton to, to address. But what was that major topic you've been running into a lot? Well, one of the things that uh, Rob and I were talking about even just before we started here was landlord diligence. And diligence in terms of managing their properties and not getting caught with any of the city of Seattle laws. Mm-hmm. Stand. And there's a bunch of them. Yes. Uh, making sure you're giving proper notices, not letting yourself slip into the month-to-month automatic uh, lease situation, trying to make sure that you're just watching what's happening with your properties. And Rob and I see that all the time. And and we really want to dig into that because I think if you look at the, the typical landlord in the city of Seattle, they're a mom-and-pop operation. I think the majority mm-hmm. of the rental properties in Seattle – uh, the majority of landlords own fewer than maybe four properties, so so we're we're not dealing necessarily with a sophisticated, you know, property management company. You know, these are these are just mom and pop operations. Not not, not at all. They aren't sophisticated, and usually they have a really close relationship with their with their tenants. Mm-hmm. Are thinking about how can they make things good for those tenants, which are above mm-hmm. and beyond just providing you know like a roof over their head. Yeah, I've had conversations with lots of owners like that and i kind of start going oh i don't want to raise the rents i don't want to make them mad or they'll they'll start to move out yeah or well another one that i hear all the time is like well we're going to go ahead and we're going to sign this you know 14 month plus lease and i'm also kind of like did you know you need to record (laughs) that huh and and they think it's recording the tenant i'm like no it's you you're giving up kind of some ownership of your property when you do that. Like, you need to be aware of that. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times that Rob and I have had one of those people walk into our office uh, from the landlord side, and the tenant wanted three years, and they wanted to be really nice to the tenant. They yeah. gave the tenant three and years. And they think it's awesome. They're yeah. like, oh, it's so great. I'm going to have solid income for three years. And you're like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> then the interesting part is the tenant wants out after about a year and a half because they want to go buy their first house. Yeah. Right. right. And then the, all of a sudden, they start bringing up all the legal technicalities uh-huh. that the landlord didn't comply with uh-huh. and they're trying to get out of their lease. Gosh, can we break part of that down on this show? We should. That would be kind of fun. <laughs> if we don't if we don't get a chance to do it today, we should on another show. But um okay, so you're saying like the landlord steps into the landmine without even knowing it. Uh but what is the, so you mentioned month to month. Like let's get out of that yeah, long term lease. The sure. month to month, that's a big one you're seeing right now. 
what are the issues that come up? Oh, well, the month to month, the big issue that we see is a lot of the leases that are out there, you'll see these automatic renewal provisions mm -hmm. that, you know, may, maybe a Very landlord common. went online and grabbed something, which is, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. And they're, they're trying to at least get it in writing, which is great. Right. Um, but if you're not if you're not aware of how those provisions interact with the actual landlord tenant relation, you wind up in this strange area where you're now a month to month tenant afterwards and it becomes very difficult to remove a tenant even if there is an issue with it. Can you talk more about that because the city of Seattle has the the, the cause yeah, just the cause, cause right? right just cause okay so how does that work? Well, Seattle has listed and gone down through a pretty exhaustive list of when you can terminate a month-to-month -month lease. Mm -hmm. And if it's outside of those ranges, or if it, is, it doesn't uh, apply to one of those it, items, then you're stuck in that system as long as that individual is paying. There, there are things you can do. Oh, yeah. What are some yeah. examples yeah, of, some of examples. what might... One, the biggest, the most obvious is non-payment of rent. Sure. So that's just a justified uh, eviction or just cause to remove somebody. Right. Another one, let's say you want to sell your house, and this is something that uh, Reba right. might be interested in. Mm -hmm. If somebody's got a month-to-month -month tenant and they want to sell the, the place, yeah. you've got to give them 90 days notice. Yes. And then you have to list it within 30 days after that. I Which is a fairly new ordinance, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And then if there's a specific number of three days, let's say you're giving your tenants three days notice because they're not paying rent. Well, if you give them, I think it's, what is it, four yeah, or three, four, three or four, three or four of these period. in a 12 in a month period, then you can evict them, you know, because they're paying, you know, they pay within the three days or a specific number of 10 day notices. So there's just a whole list of very specific reasons on uh, the only reasons on when you can evict somebody uh, who is a month to month tenant. If you want to move into your own own place, which actually is pretty mm -hmm. common for especially for right. small landlords. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you want to move in, you can or maybe you want to have your um you know daughter or son move right. in. Mm -hmm. You can do it under certain circumstances after giving appropriate notices. So there's it's you cannot just remove somebody. But if you go outside of the city of Seattle, if you want to terminate a month to month lease, it's a 20 day notice. But only in Seattle. That's actually all over the news right now in the city of Burien. Uh, there's, a, I think, a 30-odd unit apartment building that was just changed ownership. And the new owners have given notice, you know, to all the tenants, you know, to, to vacate. I think they're giving them 30 days oh my uh, gosh. notice. And, of course, now this is creating an affordable housing issue, possible homeless, uh, you know, issue because the rents were, were quite low in this building. So... Is that someone who's planning on converting that to condos that they did? I'm the not entire sure about the, Well, it was a large, a large uh, company that bought this wow. building. So who knows? Yeah, maybe yeah. they're doing renovations or maybe right. they're just going to jack up the rents. I don't know. Right. Um, but so, so I can see two, both sides of that issue. Number mm -hmm. one, you know, you are displacing low income housing, and that's always a, a concern, especially in 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 the in our in our area. But um, f would could that work in Seattle? I don't think it would. It could, could it? No, absolutely not. Um, well, I guess that that's not necessarily true. If you were going to rehab the whole building, there are some circumstances when you could give notices, but it's not 20 okay. days. Okay, okay. Yeah, uh, so it possibly could happen. It just depends on what you're going to do with the building. Right, so the point basically being, don't just make assumptions. 
if you own a property, like you really need to dive into it, get some good advice and make sure you don't put yourself in the hot seat of either a lawsuit or landlord, uh, the tenants union coming after you or some of these other things that could happen. Absolutely. Make sure if you know what you're, if you're going to buy a building and it's inhabited with a bunch of month, month tenants, mm-hmm. make sure you know what you're going to do when you, after you buy that building. Or if you're a small landlord and you're just going to let that automatically roll over to month to month, just Beware. Yeah. Well, I mean, so your point about Burian brings into uh, thought for me of I actually just got done selling a property down in Skyway for a client. I was the listing agent, but I happen to know the gentleman who's buying it. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons he's buying a place is because his mother and sister had lived in Renton. And again, an outside company bought a whole complex and they displaced a ton of tenants, mm-hmm. you know, gave notice and they all had to be out in 30 days. And so the city of Renton has now instituted something that's very similar to prevent that short notice, uh, kind of almost homelessness, you know, issue that came up out of that because basically right. his sister and mother had to move in with him. And all of a sudden he's cramped in because he's trying to keep them from being on the streets. Oh, absolutely. You know, so there's, I mean, I get it from both sides. I mean, that's one of the things we try mm-hmm. and give our, our listeners a balance that like, we're not, you know, against tenancy and, you know, all these other things. It's like, but we get that for, you know, it's one thing if you're a large investor coming in, because you're probably doing a lot more, as you say, due diligence, you've got legal teams working on your behalf, you know, checking into all that stuff, you would hope. But the small landlord doesn't always have that, you know, or may not even think that they have to do that, because they always say, well, it's my property. Can I do what I want with my property? I have my own property rights. Mm -hmm. Right. right, you know, yeah, and, and they so have no idea that there's these landmines that are yeah, and then they stick their foot right in it, they, and then they get you know right. blown off at the knee, yeah, you know. Exactly. So and lots of times, by the time they even get there, they've already done it. Right, you know, yeah, because, that's because the unfortunate they part. They didn't comply with the laws when they were signing the lease in the first place. Right, you know, so there's all of those tricky things that you should watch. Okay, so what kind of right. advice? Okay, so yes, granted, people oftentimes come to your firm because they've now stepped into it. Um, when we get back from the break, I want to get also some tips for our listeners on best practices, things they should be looking into, maybe questions they should be asking and, or how they engage with maybe getting, you know, legal help before they get themselves in if trouble. If they're already in trouble. Yeah. Or if they're already in trouble, keep in out of it either way. <laughs> All right. We're going to be right back with open house with team Reba with the folks from Holmquist and Gardner. Open House with Team Reba on AM 1590. The answer. Okay. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Reba Hass of Team Reba, REMAX Metro East Side. And I'm Eric Austin from Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. And we've got Robert Maxwell and Hamilton Gardner here with us. Um, law office of Home, Christ, and Gardner. And you guys specialize in, in real estate law. Uh, just a real quick aside. I, I got a, a, a longtime friend of mine that was a real estate attorney. He just recently retired and uh, but um, we used to teach continuing legal education for University of Washington, and and um, we taught a class that was for general practice attorneys who wanted to practice real estate law. And when we first started this class, um, my friend says, "Okay, all we got to do on this class is scare the living daylights out of these attorneys, so they never even want to attempt to practice real <laughs> estate law." And uh, and I'm like, got it. You know, we're there. You know, that's easy enough. We got lots and lots of horror stories that we can use to just There's frighten so many the pants off stories. these people. 
So, but but it, it, he he really had a valid point, right? Because real estate law is so specialized, and you've got so many different nuances to it that you, you really can run a little bit of a risk if you just take your real estate problem to a general practice attorney, correct? Yes, and and not only that, there's the emotional value that comes with property. And right. I, I've never seen crazier cases in a property line dispute over you know five foot areas. Oh my oh, gosh, sure. I had oh, a sure. neighbor who was like crazy town over that kind of stuff. It's it's nuts how vicious people get. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I, I got some of those personal ones. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. 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 No, so. I'm I'm with you. Like the amount of information you have to know just for real estate alone. You know, we were even just talking on our break of, you know, recently we made an agent change in my team. And part of it was, you know, I've been in the business 15 years and I know I don't know everything. And I know a lot. I mean, I'm at like mastery level at what I do because it's more than it's well over 10,000 hours spent in the field. But I had this one person who was one year in the business and I was like, you're a walking lawsuit. <laughs> you know, like I, I, I can't even you and you don't even get it. Nope. You don't even understand it. You know, with your smugness. But, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm being a little more raw about that than I might normally be. But, I mean, that's really when people get let she's go from my... in a Prius, too. No, no, she's not. But, I, but here's what I'll tell you. I, every time I have someone removed from my team, it's either an ethics or a legal liability issue. And, you know, like I say, I, and I've done this for 15 years and I've had a lot of different people coming in and out of my team. Some people have been there for years and years and years. And, you know, maybe we part company because they just want to go a different direction in their life and how many hours they want to work. But a lot of people I've let go from my team is because something comes up. And, you know, the thing I was smart enough to know when I got into this, because I came from tech and selling to companies like Microsoft, where I had to sit in a room full of attorneys dealing with contract negotiations. And I knew better when I got into this that, you know, when I had my mentor and former agent, he was one of the top agents in the state at that time. And he was my mentor for six years. And the first thing he told me when I said, I'm thinking about doing this, he goes, be prepared to be sued for any reason, even if it's not real. And, you know, my whole goal was coming in to try and not put myself and particularly my clients in the crosshairs of a lawsuit. And there is so much to know in just this one. I mean, th there's a reason why condo attorneys are specialized because even just condominium law is so specific. Like you can't go to a generalist. You'd be a fool to do it. Personal opinion, but I'll get off my high horse. One thing we, uh, <laughs> Rob and I commonly tell to agents actually, is that before you sign off on that paper, mm -hmm. just give us a call. Yeah. Because it's a lot easier to deal with an issue before you've signed than it is after the fact. Right. And well, and agents also, I mean, the whole idea of, um, you know, the, we have forms that are preset, you know, written by attorneys and we get to fill in the blanks. Right. And the, the second we go off any of that language, we're held to the same standard of an attorney, which is why if it's real basic, OK, maybe that's not a big deal. But I know I keep attorneys you know, on retainer for me, because the second it gets complicated, you know, I'm calling that person up, right? Which actually I should probably talk to you guys after the fact, because she's kind of retiring. So <laughs> I started thinking about that. I was like, oh, wait, mm, I think she was yeah. in Hawaii last time yeah, I saw. I go. doubt she'd be available if she's out on a surfboard. Right. Well, and, and, and before the break, we were just kind of leading in to talk about some, some common things that a landlord can really think about and, and be prepared for. 
you know, when they're going into it. But the, I mean, one of the very first questions that comes up with, with um, my customers all the time is, all right, I'm buying this home. There's a tenant in the home already. Uh, there's an existing lease. It's month to month. You know, I want to keep that tenant in the home. What do I do? Do I, can I execute a new lease, for instance, or, or what, what, are my, what are my rules on that? Well, there's a, there's a lot at play there, but uh, you, you, you can always reenter at lease that mm-hmm. if, if the parties are in agreement on it. And sometimes that's a, that's a time to sit down with the tenant and say, mm-hmm. hey, and uh, do you want to go for a year? You're offered more protection here, maybe lower the cost, maybe do some different, uh, different increases, decreases within the contract itself. Mm-hmm. But if there's an agreement there, then go with it. Okay. I'd always recommend that. Yeah. What if there's no agreement? There's no agreement. I mean, you're kind of stuck when you say in that no situation. agreement, you mean no written agreement? Well, yeah, what if the tenant says, nah, "I'm pretty happy with with the, the the lease I've got. I think I'll just I'll just do that." Are you in Seattle? Yeah, let's say I'm in Seattle. <laughs> you're probably stuck. You're stuck, really? <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be stuck. I'm stuck. It's a month to month lease. Okay, and then and then the well, it only depends re- on if you want to get them out or if you right. want to get them out for a certain reason. Okay, do you want to get? Does your customer want to move in? Personally, and well, use, let, let's say that's it? the case. Yeah, because oh, yeah. we do see that fairly, fairly often. Yeah. So lots and lots of homes are sold with a tenant in the in the property, yep. and and most of the time those are going to be an owner occupied purchaser buying that home. So we do need to get the tenant out. So if it's before closing, then mm-hmm. that's probably going to be a cash for keys type situation where you're going to try and have that tenant move out sooner rather than later, mm-hmm. since the the owner at that mm-hmm. particular time before closing is not moving in, mm-hmm. uh, they can't. There's no just cause to remove the tenant. After the closing, if the tenant remains in, then there's certain notices that you'll have to give to that person to notify them that the owner is moving in. And that is just cause in Seattle. Okay, wait a minute. So if let's say someone does purchase the property, the tenant's in there, and they give – how much time do they have to give them? I believe it's 60 days. I would have to – Yeah, I'd have have to to take a look, but I think it's 60 days. Okay, so so that's one of the things – Tip really for our know. listeners. Yeah, well, because tips for our listeners, because we tell people all the time, especially like when we've had to do rent back situations and things like that for mm-hmm. you know someone who's uh, owner occupying. But most, if I remember Eric correctly, or you can mm. correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. most lenders will only allow up to a 60 day period before that owner occupancy needs to. That's correct. Happen. That's correct. That's if, if you're so, you got to be on it. You can't be messing around. Oh yeah, no. If you're if you're taking out a owner occupied mortgage. Uh, your deed of trust will state that you shall take occupancy of that property within 60 days of closing. Otherwise, you're, in, you're you could be in default on your your deed. So, day of closing, you've got to serve that notice. At the there same you go. Time. All right, yeah. I can guarantee you of the transactions I'm I, that I've seen, I I, I I can't recall that ever happening mm-hmm. by an agent. Very rare. I know. Yeah. I know. In one instance, I've had a client where we had to put into the contract. Or we did ask because the person purchasing, it was a multiplex and they did want to take on a unit. We had one case where we asked for them to provide a notice to one of the tenants and then they had to plan around that. Then we also had the reverse side of that where we were representing the listing and some guy just, you know, wasn't in the contract, but asked us to do it. And I remember he tried to take my former business partner to a small claims court because we weren't contractually obligated. Nobody, our client, nobody was contractually obligated to give any notice to anybody. And he got all ticked off because after close, he's like, wait, why isn't there a unit up to you? And we're like, because nobody had to. Yeah. And he was self-representing. Well. And we're like, 
Oh, so sad. And of course, they threw his case out of you know small claims court because he only showed up with like two pieces of paper. We had a full file. We explained the situation, and it was like, "See you later, bud." You know, but I mean, it gets dicey if people aren't paying close attention to some of this stuff. And I can tell you right now, there's a bunch of agents out there that are, have no idea about it. There's so many new people in the industry. We talk about this on the show all the time. 200 to 250 new agents a month in this industry. There's over wow. 30,000 agents in the well, state of Washington. The majority of them are in this area. Yeah. And they have no clue. This is job security for you guys, though. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> better or for worse. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? All of those agents, you know, they have to, of course, pass a test. But uh, to pass the test, <laughs> you got to get smart, right? You got to get seventy percent, you know, to pass the test. And 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 the state, in all their wisdom, doesn't they don't tell you which questions you missed right you know yeah. so the typical agent out there could be running around with 30 percent of bad information or wrong mm-hmm. information or whatever and just not even know it yeah well, so you can go into kind of what you're talking about right there rob and i are doing this almost on a daily basis and when we start talking about different notices and seattle just cause eviction notice we've got to kind of do an, an analysis on every single scenario so every time a right. client calls us up it's which notice and under which subsection of the Seattle Municipal Code will this apply to so that we can give the proper notice and how many days so that mm-hmm. this person can get out or move in if you're going to be an owner-occupied? It's it's complex, and so you've just got to be ready for it. Yeah, so the layperson doesn't have a chance of probably getting that correct. Right. It's going to be well, tricky. So, yeah. you know, the whole thing with Team Reba is like, Part of our concept has always been like not only just who works within my team, but the people that are surrounding my team and the resources that we have available. So, you know, because for me, that's that's one of the most important things, right? If I'm going to do a good job representing one of my clients, I've got to have resources. Just like a showing that I did today, I, you know, I'm like, oh, here's a geotech guy. Here's a guy if you want to do a thing with a dock or a buoy or this, or here's another attorney that knows waterfront. Here's this, you know, go through a whole litany of all the things of, you know, here's, you know, you're going to need to know this if you're going to be short up the hillside, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, like for you guys, like how big is your firm? Because, I mean, if you're having to go through all of this, if that's a ton of research, like how big is your firm? We've got seven attorneys and two staff. Okay. So, and you guys are having to stay on top of this. Do you cover mostly just Seattle or do you cover all King County? Like what, what's kind of a coverage area of client base for you? Mostly uh, King and Pierce County, but primarily Seattle Okay, and, and, and King County. Okay, um, is where most of our clients are located. All right. And so that right there is just full-time job. It's another thing of saying, please don't go to a generalist. Yes. You've got to have a lot of people paying attention to a lot of different things. And I just looked it up, and it's 90 days for an owner to move in. It's, so that's, 90. it's 90. See, that's the thing. I thought it was 90. It's 90. And, you know, so that so, creates issues. All right. So yeah. if you if you are a landlord, you own a home, and you're planning on selling it, mm-hmm. and then you better be giving those notices out before you sell it. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. You've got to put your tenant on notice. Hey, home's going on. Of course, then you also have to arrange for access to the property and showings and and all of that. So it won't be any surprise. Well, or you can do like some of our clients where you give that notice 90 days, they're moved out, and then you can prep and get everything done Mm -hmm. as quickly as possible. And you just have to have people who are willing to, you know, deal with that period of time of, yeah, you have an extra mortgage payment, but if you... Make it compelling. It will sell. That's right. Well, when we come back, we have more with Robert Maxwell and Hamilton Gardner. Stay tuned. Learn what you need to know if you're a landlord. Open House of Cambridge. Bye.
Open House with Team Reba on AM 1580. The answer. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Eric Osnes from Home Street Bank. And I'm Reba Hass from Team Reba. And we have Robert Maxwell and Hamilton Gardner here with us with the law firm of Holmquist and Gardner. Thank you again, guys, for joining us. Really, really appreciate it. It's been great. Thank yeah, you thanks guys. for having us. So yeah. one of the questions that I get asked all the time, and, and I've gone through this personally as well, uh, someone buys their first rental property and uh, they want to they put it into an LLC. And um, I have an opinion on that, and there's issues on that on the lending side. I'm kind of curious to, to hear what you have to say on, on the legal side as well. Yeah, and it's, we were just talking about this uh, on the break, so this is a perfect, perfect topic. And uh, it's something that comes up time and time again. You will get someone that calls. They've got a great investment property that they want to buy. They want to start an LLC to either purchase a property or to buy the property and then transfer it into the LLC. And, uh, you know, generally this is done all the time. Mm-hmm. And but this is a technical violation of any loan document you see out there is going to have the due on sale clause, and uh, this is a technical violation of the due on sale clause within the documents when you transfer without the permission of your lender. Right. And so what I'm curious about from the mortgage standpoint is how you guys see this. Right. Right. Well, you're you're, you're spot on. The deed of trust does say that if if the ownership of the um, the property changes without the lender's prior written consent, that can trigger a due on sale clause. If that happens, we issue what's called an acceleration notice, giving you 30 days to pay off that mortgage. So it's it's pretty high stakes. And so uh, what what that means is that when you uh, now and, and I'm I'm referring in in my world we're talking about one to four unit properties, so a single family home, duplex, triplex, or fourplex. So those fall under the you know the auspice of a, of a single family home, single family lending. They've got different set of rules if it's a five unit or larger property, or if it's a commercial property. So for a residential property, one to four unit, those the the title on those properties needs to be in the names of the individuals, and the the loan itself, the note you're promised to pay is going to be in the name of the individuals. So it's just got to it's just got to be that way, you know. Otherwise, you're in in, in violation of of those documents. So what, what, what I've always done in the past, I wanted to run, run this by you, is, is for rental property, I set up an LLC. The LLC executes the documents with the tenant. So the agreement is, is you know, between the LLC and, and the tenant. So that gives me, at least from what I've been told, a, a certain measure of legal protection, you know, should there be a claim, you know, that's going to be against the LLC, you know, hopefully in that case. So I guess as an individual, I'm technically sort of subleasing to the LLC and the LLC, or leasing to the LLC, and the LLC is subleasing to the tenant. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, that's 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 a level of protection. It's 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 one way to go about it, and I do know clients that do that same okay. same process and they yeah. go through it. And um, the LLC is essentially the property management company. Yes. Um, and so that's that is that is a form of protection. Obviously, the the whole purpose of an LLC is to protect that personal liability. Mm-hmm. So everybody wants to contain any liability to that house, and that's the whole reason behind the transfer into the LLC. Yeah. Um, the, other, the other way is just, and this is just general advice, is a good umbrella insurance policy out there along with, and yes. there's a lot of people yes. that you see that don't have this, and they don't right. know that that's, that's, you know, that's the first barrier. I have Absolutely. one. And, 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 and I do both. In fact, actually, I, I have both. two. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that is a question for us. So let's say I've got an LLC I set up. My lease is between the tenant and the LLC, so I've got that level of protection. Now let's say the tenant slips and falls 
on the property hurts themselves, can they sue me as the homeowner, you know, and the LLC, I suppose, you know, for an unsa- you know, maybe there was a slippery stair or this or that. I mean, you can always find something wrong, you know, with, with a house. So what, what happens then? That's, is that where the umbrella policy comes in? Well, hopefully your umbrella policy is going to kick in at that point in time and maybe your mm-hmm. homeowner's insurance policy. But that, that goes to something that uh, we were talking about on the break with, uh, with Reba that, you know, you can get sued in Washington State for any reason yeah. at yeah. all, right yeah. or wrong, yeah. Yeah. right yeah. or wrong. And so if that tenant slips over a neighbor dog, they're going to sue the neighbor and then the property owner and then the property manager because they let a dog on the property. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. It, it, it all just goes downhill. It's so just, yeah. Yeah. They're looking yeah. for pockets and insurance money. Right. So it's and, just something to be prepared for. And, and dogs being another issue altogether around <laughs> rental property. Well, no, yeah. I, I have this problem all the time. I don't allow dogs... My, even though I'm a huge animal lover and everyone knows it, I'm, I give to Seattle Humane tons of money every year, but I can't have dogs at my rental properties in the Midwest because my insurance won't allow it. Because in the top like three to five things that get claimed every year are dog bites. And so the insurance companies won't allow it. And my brother for a long time doing property management for me was letting people bring dogs in. And I just had to be like, stop, you know, and most of the time they came in without him even knowing and then he just let them stay because he didn't want to see the dogs have to get rehomed or left to do whatever. And it's just like, please stop doing that. So I got, I got one <laughs> other question for you also, just kind of get back to this LLC question. If, if, if let's say that I'm, I don't take the advice of you or, or the lender, I buy a home, it's, it's in my name individually, I transfer the title to the LLC, I'm in violation of my, my, mm-hmm. my mortgage. What about my insurance? Because my insurance is going to be mm-hmm. in my name as an individual as well. So are there some, some potential you know, problems that could pop up as well you know, from, from that? There's, I'm thinking there's the insur- all sorts of yeah. problems. I mean, title insurance as well. Right. If right? you don't get the specific endorsement for the transfer. <gasps> I hadn't even uh, thought about that. Th- yeah, there's a, there's a lot of different items that come into play. And if you are doing it, you want to go the full route and you want to make sure the insurance is in the name of the LLC. You want to make sure you're... Contact right. your title insurance, make sure that's okay and everything up to date because the last thing you want is Yeah, because the insurance shouldn't be as much of a problem because I know like I have an LLC for my business. Of course, businesses get insurance coverage all the time. Right, but but from a lending standpoint, we have a we No, have I a, get the lender part. Yeah, I mean we have a mortgage to an individual. Yeah. If the insurance is to an LLC right. and that home is destroyed, you know, there's a mortgagee clause on on the on the insurance binder that says mm-hmm. in the case of a loss the, the loan gets paid first. So if there's no insurance, you know, you know that your lender could technically have an uninsured property. Uh, as a lender, if we see that situation come up, we put our own insurance on the property. Yes, force placed insurance and then charge it. single interest insurance. Mm-hmm. It's extremely expensive. Yes, it is, and it covers nothing for the owner. Right. So uh, you know, it, it, nothing good can come from from all of that. And and what's scary is to transfer title on a property. It's really easy. I mean, it's, right. a, it's a quit claim deed. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, that's about it. You can just march down to the county courthouse and they'll they'll record it. You know, mm-hmm. right or wrong, they'll they, most of the time mm-hmm. they'll do it. They're super cool people down there, but still, uh, so so it's it's really easy to get yourself into trouble like that. So if you don't have a, a mortgage though, then mm-hmm. you know transferring the then property, you can do that. For, yeah, yeah, you can transfer it in uh, no problem, and you should at that mm-hmm. point absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But then, as Rob was saying, you make sure that the insurance is in the uh, the name of the LLC. Get the title policy insurance uh, endorsement. It's actually mm-hmm. really cheap. It's usually only 100, 100, 150 bucks. So right. okay. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's usually yeah. very. Okay. So, Erica, that goes back to the question because we've had this topic come over 15 years of working together and yeah. we've done panel discussions and other things with other people about it. So, what is the likelihood of the lender providing that written? The written notice? notice. Yeah. Well, written uh, approval if, for it. If you look at the industry. Yeah. If, yeah. You, <laughs> if you look at your settlement statement or a loan mm-hmm. estimate, there's a there's an, a line item there which is called a tax service fee, mm-hmm. and the tax service fee is a monitoring fee, and right. it, it it monitors a couple of things, but it ch- it monitors a change in ownership, mm-hmm. it monitors insurance, mm-hmm. and if there's changes like that, it's going to notify the lender. It's a service that lenders pay right. for. Additionally, once a year, we're going to request an updated insurance binder right, of course. You know, on the property. Mm-hmm. And if we see that, oh, now this is no longer a owner's policy, it's a renter's policy, a landlord policy, or if we see it's a, you know, mm-hmm. to an LLC, there you go. It's going gonna, it's gonna to trigger it. Right. Okay. I get the trigger, but if someone goes and asks for that written... Oh, ask for the permission. Yeah. Of it. Um, it, it, it's going to depend on, on who the investor is on that loan. Okay. So if that loan is held by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, if it's essentially mm-hmm. a conventional loan, or Ginnie Mae would be an FHA or VA loan, the answer is going to be no. It's not. We're not going to get permission. Uh, if it's a portfolio-held loan, it's held by the bank itself, then you have a, a possibility that that could happen. Right, because I know I've had clients in the past that have had to move their properties in and out of LLCs mm-hmm. because they're doing refinances. Correct. But that's still, every time, it's like, right. and then they worry about, you know, Excise what liability taxes. issues and excise well, taxes. And there's, right. it's, it gets very Lots convoluted. It absolutely gets very convoluted. I'm a, so I know we don't have much time left and we want to make sure and get you guys' contact, contact info out. But if you're open to it, we love doing other like panel discussions and things where we can bring our clients in. So maybe after we're done, we'd love to talk to you about maybe putting something together for um, for an event. But um, let's get your information out really, really quick. Where can people find you guys? Uh, you can give me a call at 206-438-9116. And my email is hamilton at lawhg.net. Okay. And the website is lawhg.net. I do see you guys are on Twitter also. And then Rob, your email? Yeah, my email is Rob at lawhg.net. Thank you for listening to Open House with Team Reba. To contact us, visit Team Reba at re slash max Metro Eastside on Facebook or email info at teamreba.com. Join us again next Saturday afternoon at 2 for more Open House with Team Reba here on AM 1590. The answer. The preceding program was sponsored by Team Reba of Remax Metro East Side and Eric Osnes of Home Street Bank Home Mortgage.